0: Hi, I'm John Allen, pastor here at Risen Church. We pray this sermon helps you fall deeper in love with Jesus, his people, and his purpose in the earth. And so if you're in Virginia Beach or the Hampton Roads area, we would love to have you join with us in person at one of our services this coming Sunday. Uh, At Risen, we don't just have a seat for you, we have a space for you. And so I pray this teaching blesses you and grows you in your love for Jesus Christ. Hey, good morning, Risen Church. Please be seated. My name is Rich, and I'm a partner here, if you don't know who I am, and uh, John has allowed me to take the pulpit again. Thank you, Pastor. It's my honor to be here, and as he's moving back there, he's running away. He's running away because at this time, the fourth through the sixth graders shall be dismissed and go with Hannah, and John is going to teach the fourth through sixth graders. So anybody... So if you'd like to go down and hear John instead of me, please uh exit now. Hey, this morning we're going to we're going to look at uh a little section of proverbs. And I'm going to tell a little bit about my personal story this morning and why we're in this verse. This verse is very personal to me. Uh and it it speaks to some some greatness of God to some of his attributes of his wisdom. It speaks to his Power, his trustworthiness, and his sufficiency. Uh, So small verses, but it's got so much depth to it. It's so rich. So we're gonna look at a trustworthy God. Uh, But before we get there, uh, I was traveling this week, and I was driving up, uh, driving home with a friend of mine. Uh, We were uh, traveling for work, and we were driving back up on ninety-five. And I don't know if you remember uh, Friday, but it was kind of that, uh, that kind of rain all day long kind of thing. It was misty; it had low visibility. I was driving up 95 and it got to this kind of situation. I couldn't really see real far, but just maybe one or two cars ahead of me. And when that happens, I don't know about you all. I mean, when I was younger, I would just pedal down and and go on and and hopefully people would get out of my way and just kind of drive blindly. But as I've gotten older, I realized that there are obstacles on the other side of that fog. So my uh, anxiety came up a little bit, Uh, but luckily the car I was driving had adaptive cruise controls. Anybody have adaptive cruise control in their car, new car? Anybody? Anybody? Y'all like it? Pretty cool, isn't it? I love my adaptive cruise control. Well, this car we had also had it. And if you're not familiar with it, it's like cruise control, except in addition to setting your speed, you set a distance from the car in front of you. And it will maintain, it will pace that car in front of you, uh, and it won't go over the speed you set. So you could just literally turn it on and kind of zone out, which it can be dangerous if you're falling asleep, but in a situation like this, it brought me some comfort. Now what was interesting is I was driving, it started to rain pretty hard. uh, pretty heavy downpours. And this little warning came up uh, and it said the sensor, the little radar that keeps you from the car in front of you, could not see the road either. So it turned itself off. So then I'm like, uh oh. Now I'm kind of back to manual driving. How hard is that? Do I trust myself? And I didn't. So I had to, I slowed down because I couldn't see. Well, I think that was a really good, thinking about this sermon and thinking about this text, I'm like, that's a really good illustration of how we go through life. We're driving down the road, but the storms of life hit. We can't see past the 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 fog in our lives because of the some of the consternation or some of the struggle we're working through. But sometimes, like when I was younger, I would just pedal down and go through it on my own. But God is saying, hey, slow down, focus on me, engage that adaptive cruise control, and just relax and sit back because I got you. So today we're going to do that. We're going to look at a verse that tells us how we can sit back and trust God because He is trustworthy. Now, my adaptive c- cruise control is not perfect uh, because snow and ice keeps it from working right, but God is perfect. So we're going to look at a trustworthy God. But before we get there, I want to kind of reverse rehearse where we've been the past couple of weeks. Last week, if you were here uh tanner uh visiting he's a church planning a church downtown, preached a sermon through psalm seventy three and in that psalm, his takeaway points if you if you missed it, he reminded us that we all go through struggle. it's gonna happen, life's gonna happen, but we see an experience of that struggle through our own stuff that's going on. We have a bias and we have emotions. And we interpret that reality in, in, in a kind of a, a clouded way. And that leads us to some struggles in that we, we, all, want a, we all want comfort. We want, we want the peace of the world. We want the peace of God's world and God's stuff in our life. But sometimes we, we rebel, but we don't want to follow God's rules to get that. We just want to get, but not give. So that's a struggle, and he he pointed out to us that when you feel that way, that's a warning sign. It should be a, a flashing warning for you to, when you start to slip, to put your foot down and stand firm in your face. In your faith, not your face. Stand firm in your faith, and to realize that God knows everything that's going on inside of you. And when you plant your foot firmly in your faith, God is patient and He loves us. He's going to meet us where we are. And he's going to say, okay, come on back in, follow me. Which is similar to the message that I was able to bring two weeks ago. When, if you were here, when we talked about Thomas. Thomas, we, we, we said, we call him Thomas the Doubter, but that's kind of unfair. Thomas was just asking some honest questions, and it's okay to question. God wants us to question because he wants those questions for us to lead us down a path of faith, to find the answers to those questions through him. It, the trouble we get into is we try to find that the questions on our own path and what we think is right and what we think is good. God is saying, "Trust me, trust me, because I'm a trustworthy God." And we're going to talk about trust here a little bit more and why. So we are using a lot of PowerPoint today, so you can see me going back and forth. Now, one thing about the Proverbs—we're in Proverbs chapter three, and it's the third chapter. So there's two chapters prior to that. If you go back and look at that, this is a letter. Um, a grouping of sayings from we think King Solomon at least the first portion of it and there's a story through the first like 8 chapters and the story he's he's talking to his sons now we could all be his sons but he's talking to his here's the king he's saying sons here's some things that you need to know you need to follow after God's wisdom because if you don't follow after God's wisdom you're going to fall into folly and he personifies folly and unwise things and temptations as a, as a adulterous woman and he's like don't follow after the adulterous woman follow after God's wisdom so all the way through this this book it's talking about this idea of wisdom well Dr. Uh, Dr. Cole says he defines it this way uh, wisdom is godly living when there's no burning bush so he's referring to to Moses and the burning bush so there's not like this huge epiphany and a lightning strike it's it's following what God says, when you don't have a burning bush. You don't have a prophet. You don't have all of Paul's New Testament letters that he wrote right in front of you. So you have to learn these things. And you have to be in God's Word so it makes, it makes it part of who you are. So it's not just information that you apply. It's really a change of your heart and your character. And that's what Solomon is talking about through Proverbs. He like grab this information. Grab this glory of God. Understand that He's sufficient. Understand that God is all-powerful so that you make it part of your core belief, so that when you do, find yourself on that road and you can't see, it comes out naturally. Otherwise, what's going to come out naturally if you don't is what you think what you think is the best way. Rather, look at the lifestyle of worshiping the one true God and seek His wisdom so that you can lead well. Just, he's writing to his boys who are going to take his throne someday. Boys I need you to develop the character so that you may lead. Uh, we're going to skip that. So Proverbs, what, what uh, we think Solomon's doing, and is he's taking the Shema. This is, this is very pivotal to the Jewish faith. Uh, I think it's also very important for us. So I'm going to read this to you. This is out of Deuteronomy 6. We've mentioned this a couple of times up here. But listen to these words, and, and then think about, uh, as you read Proverbs, how Solomon is, is really taking this, And in the Proverbs, he's saying, this is how you apply it to your life. Here's some practical things for you to think about. So, in Deuteronomy, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in the, in the house, and when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be a frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Now, if you've ever seen an Orthodox uh, Jewish community, they, they take some of this very literal, and there's some things they do in their service, some things they wear. They take this very, very literal. But if we look at it, what we're talking about here is making, making God and making his, making his rules or his law or his word, making a part of everything that you do and every time that you do it, all times and in all things. Take the word of God and apply it to your life. Put it on the sign on your hand, the frontlets of your eyes, and write them on the doorpost of your gates. So he's talking about making this part of your daily life with your family and your community. So Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6 tells us some practical things in there of how to do it. What I want you to get out today Well here let me go back to the diamond thing sorry um what I want you to get out today in this verse is to see that although it's very short when you look at a diamond it's beautiful when you look at a diamond under a microscope you see all the facets and it gets brilliant so what I want you to do today is we look at this text think about we're going to look at this text as if we're digging into a diamond. Thank you. She's fixing my slides for me. Okay, here it is. Trust. Here's, our, here's the diamond we're going to peer into. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will make straight your paths. We're going to walk through this, but I just want to encourage you all this week, reread this. Spend some time with God, focusing on these words and asking God this week, how can I apply this in my, in my day today? day How can I figuratively write this on the doorpost of my house? How can I put it forefront in my mind and on my heart this week? So here's what I want you to get out of today. As you, as you think through this, I want you to see that the wisdom and the sufficiency, so there's some attributes of, attributes of who God is, The wisdom and sufficiency of the Almighty God, He beckons us. He's calling us to trust Him. But how? Where? In all things and at all times. So in all and through all situations. So in this text, He tells us there's two actions to do that because it just doesn't happen automatically. Two ways we can do that. First, redirect where you put your confidence. Again, we when things happen to us or we're uh, just in everyday normal times, God has given us this thinking brain. He's given us this frontal lobe that only humans have. We, He's given us to rationally think through things and create. He's given us the ability to create music, Eugene, which was beautiful today, thank you. He's given us the, the ability to build TVs and rocket ships. But he t- he's saying you need to remember who gave you that ability to do that. The Almighty God did. So when you're thinking through Where's my confidence? Is it in your ability or is it in the God-given ability that He's built into you? Is it your own wisdom or is it the capacity He's given you? Okay, so let's go back to the verse. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. So He's saying, trust in the Lord Yahweh. This is the one true God, and He's telling it with all your heart. This is not a, hey, just trust in me for a little bit, and we'll see how this works out. This is not, um, Maybe? a little bit, God is saying, I want you all in with me, because His Word from the beginning to the end is about His love for us and His relationship He wants for us, and that's where trust comes in. We struggle with trust because we live in this world where we have relationships and we have broken trust, or sometimes we don't trust because we think our idea is best as opposed to everybody else's. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and His precepts. But this is, uh, this is through time as well, time and experience. So if you look out here, if you can see, uh, I notice this bridge a lot when we're sitting in here, because I'm listening to John preach, and I watch the little cars going over. How many of y'all have driven across that bridge right there? Just about everybody. Or you've driven across a bridge sometime in your life. Okay. Did you have any apprehension of driving across that bridge when you got to it? Anybody? Anybody get to it and like, oh, I don't know if that bridge is going to hold me. Nobody, right? Okay, what about this bridge? What about that bridge? Anybody drive a car across that one? Okay, in the picture, who's trusting and who's not? Okay. He's probably, he's probably laying down scared deck because he can see glass and experience. If I, if I try to walk on that glass, it's probably going to break, right? So he's, his experience, his glass breaks, so he doesn't want to walk on it. What about that one? That makes like anybody a little queasy. Has anyone ever done this on like a high skyscraper and stepped on glass? Yeah. It kind of takes your breath away for a minute, doesn't it? Yeah. Did you just jump on it automatically? No. Can I do the because glass breaks, right? God is saying, hey, look, trust me when you don't even feel like it. Trust me with your whole heart. He's saying when it, with your whole heart, he wants it all. He wants you all in. Two pictures up there, a half-filled a fa- half heart and a full heart. Saul and David from the Old Testament. Neither one of these gentlemen were perfect. They had their flaws and their failures, just like you and I. When you read about Saul, King Saul, his failure was he took his eyes off God and he made decisions for himself. David did too. David took his eyes off God and made decisions for himself his own gratification. The difference between the two was one on returned to God in repentance and one did not. So he's saying trust me with your whole heart, I want you in. What does that look like for us today? Everything there. Our physical, mental, relational, spiritual self and the decisions we make in life. God's like, I need you. Just trust me in all these areas. I've given you a brain, but I'm telling you to rationally think through our relationship and trust me. Trust me with your whole heart for everything in your life. Now, he's giving you decisions to make in life, but he's saying, seek me out. There we go. Because sometimes some of us have trust issues. Anybody ever heard anybody say that before? Yeah, got trust issues. Why do we have trust issues? Why? Well, theologically, we're, we're on this side of sin and Christ has not come back yet. We're living in a world where our heart struggles to be to be connected to God in every time and every situation because people hurt people. And we've hurt people as well. We're in that that time period of wrestling with the sin in our lives. So it causes us to have broken relationships, or it causes us sometimes to to think that, that our opinion is the right one at all times. As Tanner said, sometimes we look at things. We look at uh, situations or circumstances or other people's struggles uh, through our lens of reality and not God's lens of reality. Sometimes it's a lack of humility. And God is saying, I need you, trust me, because I'm going to have you walk out on the glass bridge, but I'm going to tell you, I am that bridge. I am that bridge that bridges you from your sin to me through Christ. We'll take those trust issues away. So, what is our basis for for our trust in Him? What's our basis for our trust and confidence in ourselves? Well, think about who God is and these promises of of his trustworthiness. When you when you put your trust in someone, it's not an automatic thing. It takes some time, doesn't it? It takes some, you want to see a track record of trustworthiness. You want to see if this person has your best interest in mind, or they are they there to get something from you. Be God from the very beginning to the end of Revelation, He is there all about you because He wants you, He pursues you, He loves you because He wants you to be there with Him to bring Him glory. Now, sometimes that sounds selfish, but He's God and the glory that He brings will bless other people. So, He's saying, trust me. Now, think about God and His capacity and His relational connection with you, this is the same God that created the universe. As this sun is trying to burn through some clouds today, it is God who spoke that sun into being. Think of the power that took, it took to create that sun. I don't know, I don't know if y'all are astrophysics or whatever, but there's it's it's a long way away. I haven't looked it up. Anybody know how far away the sun is? Off the top of your head? What's that? 93 million miles. Dang, that's impressive. 93 million miles away, and if you go out in the day when it's when it's really, really sunny, you're probably gonna get sunburned. So something 93 miles away can burn you. Or 93 million miles away can burn you. That is the power of this, of just a small example of the God we serve who said, let there be light. And there it was. I think that's pretty cool. I think a powerful God who can do that, I'm probably gonna trust him. Or think about the, other, the, the flip side of that. you got the sun and the solar system, but what about every little atom? Remember, I studied physics at one point in time. Every so- tiny little atom. We look at that, it's like a little solar system. And those atoms is what makes everything in us and everything around us. God created those. And He created every single little proton and electron in there. He spoke it in the beam. And He said, let there be life. What about a butterfly or these beautiful birds? Why do they, why do they need colors? The biologists say, well, that's the draw for attraction, for, for mating and to confuse other animals and predators. But did he have to make them all the vibrant colors you see? No, he could have made them, I don't know, just gray. He made them there to make us in awe of his beauty and his creation. That's the God who's saying, trust me. But I know sometimes we, we have those trust issues. And God is saying in, in this text, here's what I need you to do. He's saying, trust me in trusting. which sounds kind of weird, but he's saying, when you find yourself in a, in a place where you're, you have questions and you're struggling, he's saying, just hold, just stand firm, plant your foot down and say, okay, God, I don't feel it right now, but I'm going to trust you. I'm going to move with you through this. Focus on God's limitless power and compassion and not on ourselves because His track record is really, really good. So I ask you, think about these things. If you believe in the one true God who created this universe, which I just talked about, He also is the same God who guided Mary and Joseph, a young pregnant girl, through the political minefields of her time to give birth to our Savior. He purposely and intimately orchestrated that one event in history that forever changed the world. If he could bring victory to David, we talked about in a few minutes ago, a young boy going to battle to fight Goliath, God's the one who won that battle. That's the trustworthy God. God also protected this fledgling young nation of the the Jews to be... be, uh, victorious over the vicious Canaanites and the Egyptians and the Assyrians and the Persians and the Babylonians and the Romans. Historical facts in time. This tiny little nation defeated that, so God said, they will be my chosen people. I'll take you into a land because this land is where I'm going to, I'm going to bring out the Messiah so that you could sit here today and worship Him. That's the God we should follow and trust. We talked a couple of weeks ago when I was here about Thomas. This is the God to have that compassion to meet Thomas in his moment of doubt, to inspire those apostles to step out in their fear, take the gospel to the world so that 2,000 years later, that's a long time, people. 2,000 years later, we can sit here and worship the one true holy God. I think he's trustworthy. Or maybe the God who said, I'm going to come to do something for you that you can't do for yourself. I'm going to humble myself, become human in flesh, become obedient to the point of death, and then my Father is going to raise him from the dead. That's the Savior we serve. It's hard though, isn't it? Because we live in this world of 24 hour everything, isn't it? We want instant satisfaction. We get it, and we can get it. We can get it in our phones. You get those little dopamine hits that no matter what's going, going on, we go, oh, I want to see what my, my thread says, my likes are, and that makes us feel better for the moment. But it's fleeting. It's not lasting. There's a picture of this in, Ma- in Matthew 9, and uh, I've noticed in the last month or so we keep talking about this guy, but there's a guy whose son was suffering, and he, had, he was broken for his son, and we think it was probably epilepsy the way it's described. And he comes to Jesus, and he says, in a crowd of people, he says, just heal my son Jesus, just heal him. He says, do you have faith? Do you believe that he's the Messiah, that I am the Messiah, Jesus says. And he says, I do. I do believe, but help me with my unbelief, which is, which is that, that dichotomy we live in, and we want to believe, but in our struggles, sometimes it causes us to doubt. But don't let those doubts drive you away. Let those doubts drive you to God. That's what He's saying in these Proverbs. God is saying, just follow my path. Just come come with me. There's a psalm that's beautiful. I love this. Psalm 119. It says, your word is lamp to my feet and a light to my path. When you're driving figuratively down those roads when it's raining and it's dark and you can't see past your nose and you're wondering, God, what, why am I here? What is going on in my life? This is a great verse to recall. Your, your word, your word, Father, your word As you spoke the, that son and the being and that Adam and you created me in my mother's womb and you created this whole world and this word, this, this scripture that's been preserved over thousands of years to talk about who God is. That word restores my soul and that will lead me the paths of righteousness. Now, one pastor I, I found, he quoted this, and he said, hey, he says a lamp. A lamp was, was one small candle with a little reflector on it. But I think we want a floodlight, don't we? We want to see everything, and I want to know everything, God, and I want to know the path that goes way down the road. But God's saying, I do, I'm that. I know that for you. You can't see that because your minds are finite. I just need you to focus on the here and now. Don't worry about what's going to happen today or tomorrow. Just trust me, because I've already taken care of that down the road for you. I just need you to see where you're going to plant your next step. And sometimes you may find yourself in a situation, and that's all you can take. You just need to take one step forward. And maybe if you trusted God, someone would come alongside you and and put their arms around you and say, Hey, let's remember we serve an awesome, holy God, and He's going to work us through this. When you can't see Him, I can. I'm going to hold you until we walk this together so you can't see Him. That's a beautiful God to trust in. Sometimes we, we see it in His Word, and sometimes we see it in His Word with other people. There's a famous pastor online, and he, he says that if prayer for you is the last resort, this reflects what you believe about God. So in other words, what are you trusting in? Are you trusting in yourself, and then that doesn't work out, and you keep making mistakes, and then you finally go to prayer to God? He's, and the writer here is saying, trust in, trust in the Lord with all your heart. So redirect where you put your confidence. is it in you or in God's ability. second thing I want you to see is worship the one true God. Trust in the Lord and worship Him. So What is worship? When we talk about worship, sometimes we say worship, we're thinking about singing songs. We all stand up and raise our hands and sing songs. But worship is much bigger than that. Worship is everything we do. Yes, we come here for a worship service. We corporately worship together. But God is saying, make your life, turn your heart into the character and nature of God, that everything you do is an act of worship. A.W. Tozer, uh, Famous theologian says, worship, this is interesting, worship is the feel in the heart and express in an appropriate manner, a humbling and delightful sense of admiring awe. So it's not just a feeling. It's just not something we do. This is who we are, as we stand in amazing awe of a holy God, worshiping Him in in the storms and also the peaks. Now, he doesn't rep- promise a, a rosy, a rosy a garden either, because uh, you get up those mountaintop experiences, there's always a trail you have to climb to get up there. And sometimes that trail is hard. But if you focus on God, that trail will end at a beautiful, beautiful place in your heart. Now, I want to dig into this, uh, this part where I've underlined do not lean in your own understanding. If you would walk with me just for a few minutes, geek out with me a minute, because I think this is so cool about this verse this idea of leaning on your own understanding. So let's take a look at it from a couple of different perspectives. Okay, I know some of y'all are, are diligently studying the Word of God, and you know that the Old Testament is written in Hebrew. It comes from what we call the Masoretic Text. And that's where uh, they put together what is the full Law, Prophets, and Poetry of the Old Testament. And that's what's used to translate what we just read earlier, that Heather read, the ESV, the Masoretic Text. So that's a translation from the Hebrew into the English. The other side is called the Septuagint. Yes, you're welcome. Who said that? No, thank you. The Septuagint. You ever heard of that? Yeah, good. The Septuagint um, was a Greek translation. So they took the Hebrew translation in about 300 B.C., they translated it into Greek. Greek. Now, why did they do that? Well, at that time, Greek was the, was the common language of the day, it's kind of like English is today around the world. And they did it specifically for all the Hebrews that actually had been dispersed to, to the world because of, well, go back to Kings and you'll figure out why. That's another time. So they're dispersed everywhere. Uh, and Most of them didn't read Hebrew at that point in time. They didn't speak it. So they put it in a language that they could understand. So what's interesting, when you look back at those two and you translate them back into English, uh, I know there's a lot of translation going on there. Uh, Verse 5 in the Masoretic text in the ESV says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. So the Hebrew word behind that, don't lean, is interesting. It's the same idea of what you would lean against the wall. And it's really kind of a picture of a farmer or an older person leaning on their staff for support. Sometimes because they're old and maybe they can't walk real well, or maybe because they're tired and weary. I can imagine a shepherd at some point in time got really tired and weary, so they would lean on their staff. And what the Word of God says, don't lean for your support when you're tired and weary on your own understanding. and Instead, trust God because in verse 6, there's a promise. If you do that, He's going to make straight your path. So those curvy roads in life that you can't see around, God's gonna say, if you just trust me, they're gonna seem to be straight to you. There's not gonna be a whole lot of inclines or declines. They're gonna be straight. So I think that's a really cool idea. Don't lean on your own understanding. Now the other side of it is Septuagint. So the translation now that says, trust God with your whole heart. Pretty much the same, right? But look at the next phrase. And do not exalt your own wisdom. So is it the same or is it different? Which one's correct? Anybody? I got a vote, Colin, you got a vote? Is it same or different? We don't know. I'm going to say yes. It is same and it is different. It's a different way for them in the, when they translate into Greek and they translate it from, English, from the Hebrew to English. It's a, it's, you have to put it in the idioms of the time so people understand it. So don't lean on your staff or your own understanding or do not exalt your own wisdom. That word for exalt, uh, it's used in the New Testament. And it's also used by some ancient guys like Homer and Socrates and those guys. So let's see how they, they used it. Luke uses that same word when he's talking about when we see Christ coming back. Imagine the day, if you're a believer in Christ, the winning of the Super Bowl when He appears. That's going to be a pretty big day. And he says, when they see the Son of Man coming in the cloud with power and glory. This is just not somebody walking into a room. This is God coming back. Now, when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. This is worship language. That raise, uphold, worship. First Timothy chapter two, uh, Paul is exhorting, or he's really correcting the, the guys. He says, "When you get, when you come together as worship, and you're together, stop angering and quarreling. Stop being, stop being jerks. Instead." Raise lifting up your holy hands and worship to God. Stop making it about you, make it about God. That's the same wording that we use. Can we go back, Katie? Go back one, thanks. That's the same wording they use here for don't exalt your own wisdom. So what he's saying is don't worship your own idea of what is right, which is kind of the same thing as don't trust in your own understanding. It's different words, but it's the same thing. Don't trust it. And then in verse 6, the uh, ESV says, uh, in all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your, straight your paths. The Septuagint says, make her known in all your ways so that it may direct your ways. So kind of the same thing, but you've got Him and her. So what's that? What's that about? Are we, is, is, this a, is this a way for us to get to the mother God and the father God? And Nope, not going there. The Masoretic text starts off with Yahweh. They're focusing on God. They're focusing on the goodness and the God's word. It says, in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Verse 6, it's Greek writing, it's speaking to people who are in the Greek philosophy and understanding. And in verse 5, for wisdom, it uses the word Sophia, where we get the word Sophia, the name. It's a beautiful, beautiful name but it literally means the wisdom. And that's how the Greek culture would see wisdom. It's very beautiful. It's a piece of art. And they say, make her known, make, make Sophia. So it refers back to make Sophia known in all your ways so that they direct your ways. But the Sophia is God, the wisdom of God, God's beautiful, perfect wisdom. Make it known. Do not worship your own. Focus on Him. So, what's this really saying? This is the Rich Lee version. That's the Rich Lee version. I pulled that out of the Greek and the Hebrew. Did a lot of study on that. Thank you. You're welcome. Don't fall in your. Don't fall in love with your own plan. Don't fall in love with your own way. It's so easy, though, isn't it? Because we want to go what we think is best and right. And all God is saying is, you may be right, but compare it and contrast it to my word. Compare it to the Son. Compare it to the perfection of wisdom defined by God. Jesus himself says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Compare it to who Christ is. All right. so. Old Testament. Here's a version where they did it. Didn't do it so well. If you remember, uh, Moses, Moses goes up to Mount Sinai and he's got the whole Israel around the, around that mountain. Moses is gone for a while. Do you remember how long? Forty days. So he's gone. That's kind of a while. Goes, Moses says, "I'm going to go meet with God, and I'll be back." Forty days later. That's a long time to be camping. I don't know if y'all camp through the summertime. That's a long time to be hot. Well, anyway, they're hanging around this mountain. But it's a little bit different, because around this mountain, and they can see the glory of God, the Scripture tells us, on this mountain. They can see this clouds and pillars, and it describes it kind of strange, but it is the glory of God. They're standing there, and they can see it, but yet they lose the focus, and they go, hey, Aaron, priest, Uh, I don't think Moses is going to come back. We're not going to trust him. So let's just create our own God. So let's make this calf and we'll dance around, we'll worship, and we'll create a whole new religion. That's them making, trusting their own wisdom. And kind of go figure out what happens later. Um, But let's not poke fingers at them because we have our own gods, don't we? You can really uh, reveal how much you trust God by looking at your calendar and looking sometimes your prayer request. God's saying, make it about worshiping God, aligning your heart with Him instead of aligning your heart with yourself. Okay, I told you I was going to get a little bit uh, personal with you. I'll tell you why this verse is so important to me. Uh, it was in a very, um, I came across this verse and memorized it at a very specific time in my life and it changed my life. So before I was a chaplain, uh, I was a naval flight officer in the Navy. I did that for about nine years. So I went to flight school way back in 1993, Um, and I did really well through flight school. I was really focused on it. And some of you may know, when you you go through flight school, uh, the person who graduates number one in flight school, you get get your choice of airplane. You get your number one choice. And I was number one all the way through. And during that time, there was a friend of mine uh, in my class with me, and he was doing really well, and we were kind of neck and neck. And at the very end, right before we were going to make our aircraft selection, the final test, he beats me by one one-hundredth of a point. That's pretty small. That was almost 30 years ago, and I still remember that. So we're working through it. Pastor John and I are still working through that piece of it. Um, one one-hundredth of a point. So I'm thinking, hey, I finished number, number two, um, Hey, no big deal. They're probably going to give me my choice too. I mean, that kind of makes sense, right? I mean, to a 23-year-old, arrogant, know-it-all guy, that makes sense. There are 10 people in my class, and I was the only person in that class to not get their first choice. Everybody else did. I mean, the number 10 person who barely even showed up and studied got their first choice. And I didn't. I got my last choice. And I got to learn what the Navy calls quality spread. Now, that may sound like it's a good, you know, putting peanut butter on a piece of, piece of bread. But to me, at the time, I didn't like that. And I did not react very well to that. And I pouted, and I cried, and I pitched a little fit like I was a little kid who didn't get candy in the store. And after a while, a good friend of mine came to me and said, Hey, I got it. It doesn't seem fair to you, but you raised your right hand to serve your country. And You raised your hand. You said, "I will support and defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic." And they said, "Ask me. What does any of that oath that you took have to do with you?" It's about service. And the Navy didn't promise you anything. I'm like, "Whoa. Okay. That puts it in perspective. Maybe I should be change my attitude and go fly that airplane." Um, and then they took it a step further. Same conversation took it a step further, and they said, oh, by the way, this faith you grew up with that you say you had, that's also all about you. I was like, dang, that cuts, that hurts. But it was true. Everything in my life, including my walk with Christ that was non-existent, was all about what rich could get. What are the blessings that rich could get? As Tanner said, "I I wanted all of God's world without God's requirements. I wanted all the good blessings, but I didn't want to honor God in any way. And that actually led me to come to Christ and submit my life to him and realize that I was not in a trusting relationship. I was in a give and take. And I was waiting for God to give me. And I was mad because I wasn't giving. Fundamentally changed my life, obviously, I came to Christ. But then I got into a men's Bible study, and there there was a guy there who became my mentor. And he said, hey, Rich, there's this verse you need to memorize. And it's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. That was the first verse I actually memorized outside of vacation Bible school when I was a little kid. And it fundamentally changed my outlook and how I worship God and how I operate under God's providence in my life. And for me personally, if I didn't go through that and be challenged, I would not be here today. Because the road that I eventually let allowed myself to focus on and look to where God was taking me, It's taking me places that I could never imagine. I had experiences with God and people that I never would have had if I'd kept kicking against the goads and and done it my way. So I encourage you to also use these words to inspire you to not do what I did. All right, so how do we trust? Because we talk about trust issues and sometimes that's hard. So from this text, I really want you to see That God is a God that He is definitely trustworthy because He's perfect. He will never leave you or forsake you. He came to bind up the wounds, and His word revives the soul. He is a trustworthy God, and He's calling us to worship Him daily. Instead of worshiping your own wisdom, worship Him, worship Him, and worship Him. He doesn't promise an easy path because we live at after the garden, before He's come back. So it's going to be rocky, but He promises to just put one step forward and He is going to walk with you because His love is endless. I want to read this with you from Colossians. We walked through Colossians a while ago. I want to remind us where we're at, this idea of worship. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which you indeed were called into one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching, admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing hymns, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thank- thankfulness in your hearts to God. That sounds like worship, music, worship language to me. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. As I said earlier in, in the early uh, service, I see this as the New Testament Shemai. This is the New Testament version of hear, O Israel, the Lord is one. And teach everything about God where you lie down and you get up to your children and make it part of your life. Make this part of who you are. So in this verse, a couple of, a couple of practical takeaways. See and experience the peace of Christ. He meets us right where we are. He's very forgiving, a very loving God. He wants our whole heart, but He knows that we've we got flaws and failures. And at times, we don't give that full heart. And when you feel that, as Tanner told us, put your foot in the ground and say, stand firm on your faith and say, okay, I messed up. God forgive me. Show me the way. I'm going to trust you through this. Be thankful. Read, listen, pray through His Word. And spend time with people who do one, two, and three. Let those influences in your life come alongside you during those difficult times and put their arms around someone. you do, do the same? And everything you do, remember you're representing God. Everything you do, you're representing the Savior who willingly went to the grave for you. Even as small as if, if you've got one of those little risen magnets on the back of your car, probably not a good time to cut people off in traffic and give them the, the number one sign. Just think that's part of your daily thing. Okay, All right. as you're walking, walking with God, you've got to decide who's the dog. Are you the dog? Are you trying to make God the dog and drag him around by a leash? I would rather just walk humbly next to my Lord, be yoked to Christ, and let him lead me instead of me trying to lead him. Craig Rochelle earlier says, you know, when you, you pray last, that kind of tells you what you think about God. It says. Today, pray boldly and rely on God as your first choice, not your last option. Trust Him enough to pray for His will and not just what you think you might need right now. Writer Hebrews talks about this idea of focusing, keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus, because this life is an endurance race. We're all going to go through this life of endurance. It's not a sprint. And as we're running, Look to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of your faith. Different versions say the author of your faith. He wrote that into your soul. We all have a soul that begs to worship something. And He's saying, worship me, don't worship yourself. Jesus, who for the joy set before Him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. If we get an amen for that one, that's pretty cool. He's seated at the right hand of the throne of God for you. Philippians, don't be anxious about anything. The Lord is at hand, but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, there's an attitude and condition of your heart. Let your requests be known to God, and that peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. My takeaway from this verse, so that's a lot of things here, is, Give it a shot if you haven't. Try it and let Him show you. That's peace that will surpass all understanding. That's been evident in my life as I've trusted Him instead of my own. John chapter 16, I said these things to you that you may have peace. In this world, you're going to have troubles. It's going to come. But who's the ruler of the world? Yeah, I know the devil runs around like a roaring lion, but that's only for a time period. God is God, and we're not. 1 Corinthians, because of Him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became wisdom from God, righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. So that is written, Let anyone who boasts, boast in the Lord. Boast in the Lord and all that He's doing for you. I want to finish with this. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. We didn't read these these verses, but I want you to to focus on these just for a second. He says He's going to make your path straight as you trust in Him. And that's a struggle within us and a battle. That's a daily battle that's the right battle for us to do. But here's a great promise. Don't be wise in your own eyes. So He's repeating it. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear God, worship God, and turn away from the evil. It will be healing to your flesh, refreshment to your bones. I know there's been times that I really need some healing and some refreshment. And God says, that's found in me. As I think about flesh and bones, Jesus willingly sacrificed his flesh and his broken bones so that you could be here today to hear that he's a good God and he's trustworthy and he loves you and he's pursuing you and he knows exactly where you are. He, through His broken bones and His flesh, His spilled blood, is here that you may have ultimate healing. And not just for eternity, but for here, now, forming and conforming Him into His image so that by your testimony, by your story with someone else, someone is going through a difficult time who needs you to tell them how precious and awesome our God is. So this is not just about us. It's about bringing glory to God and bringing others with Him. Pastor John has been asking us to, who is your one more? Who is somebody close to you but far from God? Maybe, maybe you need to show them these verses. And Jesus brings our ultimate healing. Let us pray.